Boom. We're good. This video is sponsored by Kirkland Water. Thank you, Kirkland. And University Power Wash. And University. Where are the colors? I like it. A lot of lights. And we're live. We are back. Season two still. We took a little bit of a break. Yeah. Yeah. Good to be back. Hi, Dad. How are you? How are you doing? We're rolling. We're rolling, we're man. Going. I feel like we haven't done this in a while. Yeah, we got to shake the rest off a little bit, but yep. thanks for being here. You've been a uh, long-awaited guest for us. Happy so, happy to be here. It's like to uh, lead off season two. Season two. You've been here kind of since the start, and you've kind of seen us evolve into what we've become. So, I mean, we're about a year into it, so it's crazy we've waited this long, but there's probably a reason for it. Got to save, yeah. you know, the best for last, I guess. So, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It'll be very Sounds good. Fun. Yeah. yeah. How you been? been great. Good. Had a great summer. Yeah. So, you're retired. I am. Yeah, I kind of wanted to get into that a little bit. Yeah. Crazy I mean, after giving this place everything I had for 20 plus years. Crazy to be wild. Yeah, I should, get a little I should get a little background. We're in a Vista Capital Partners World, office. World, right headquarters. World headquarters. World headquarters. I like that. So it's an honor for Aiden and I to be here. Yep. Thank you for having us. Of um, this has obviously been a Sweet huge office. part of your life. It's helped put a roof over our heads. Um, we'll get into Vista a little later, but um, you know, you've been. I kind of wanted to get into retirement first too, because I think that's pretty cool. You're 56, 55. And which one is it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should know that. Yeah, Jesus. Um, but it's really cool to see you kind of have a year off and uh, retirement. Um, how's that been for you? Have you been enjoying it? Man, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. It was uh, really hard to leave this place. Mm. Um, like I said, after pouring everything I had into it, starting uh, back in what, January 1st, 2001, Michael. My partner Michael O'Reilly and um, we built ended up building something we were pretty proud of and you know it was tough to leave uh, my relationships with uh, my coworkers, clients, uh, and just the day to day, you know, conversations and decision making that I got to do with with all my partners and coworkers that was really tough to leave behind. But uh, once I walked out that door, literally that door. Um, you know, I'm somebody who looks forward, not backwards for the most part. And so it's been just a blast. I'm a big believer in we all have these different chapters in our lives. And I have this chapter right now where I am relatively young, healthy, uh, kind of untethered. You guys, you and your brothers are off at school. Unfortunately, our dog, Stella, passed uh, away a year ago. So rest in peace, Stella. Yeah. Yeah, so your mom and I are really trying to make the most of this time and spent the last year traveling. We went to Spain and saw you and then traveled around for three weeks. Um, went on a sailing trip with a bunch of friends in the Caribbean, spent three weeks on St. John, um, a lot of time at our place in Whitefish, you know, being outdoors on the lake, up at Glacier National Park, wake surfing, boating, all that stuff. Um, it's been fun to wake up in the morning and and when I'm not doing anything planned, which is as much as possible, I have a slow morning, reading more, taking my time to have my coffee and go work out and all that. So yeah. it's just been, uh, yeah, it's been great. Have not lacked the things to do. Yeah. It's crazy. You're kind of the start of our parents' 
our group of friends, yeah. parents that are going to retire. Yeah. So it's well, no. weird yeah, to see. I know. And I Ina, a couple of yeah. Blake. So I have some friends to play with yeah. now. And uh, yeah, I've been playing golf and pickleball and yeah. golf games looking good. I know. Up and down. But, you know, <laughs> it's better than it was a year ago. Yeah. Um, for sure. So no, it's, uh, you know, all our friends have a little more time to do things uh, yeah. because their kids are generally off to college. Yeah. Been fun to get out there and do stuff with the great mm-hmm. group of friends we have for sure. You've made the most of it, man. I've been, I mean, I've been gone half the time in college with, with you, the other half, but um, it's been really cool to see you kind of accomplish and check off some of the things you wanted to do in life already. So that's yeah. been pretty cool. Thank you. But we will get into Vista shortly, but I kind of want to give um, the people a little background of yourself. If you want to kind of explain who you are, where you come from, um, you grew up in Portland, Beaverton area, just like Aiden and I. Went to the same yep. elementary school, Raleigh Park, and then high school, Beaverton. So if you kind of want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, you bet. Um, give us a little lay down of how Doug became who he is today. <laughs> what made Doug Doug? Man. You know, it's it's not, not an exciting story, but, uh, you know, I, I grew up here from age six on. My dad worked for General Electric for basically 40 years. Um, my mom eventually quit her job and raised my brother and I, and uh, I grew up in just an idyllic little neighborhood where I could ride my big wheel on my bike and go sledding when it snowed. And I always liked to get outdoors and play. I mean, eight o'clock, eight, I eat breakfast, whatever, eight or nine in the morning, and I'd be out playing until, you know, like a lot of kids my age, I think, um, it was just being outdoors and playing. So I loved to play every sport imaginable. I still kind of do, but uh, went to Raleigh Park, which is ironically where you guys went. So crazy. I know, we kind of, we didn't end up there on purpose, but uh, we, we tried to, when we bought a, looked for a house that was relatively close to this office, that was one of the neighborhoods we looked at, we ended up buying a house, you know, not in the exact same neighborhood, but close enough to where you guys went to the same school. So went to Beaver High School, wasn't the greatest student, wasn't the greatest athlete, but did, you know, did pretty well in school and played a little, you know, a couple sports and uh, then went to University of Oregon, graduated with a degree in finance and and uh, marketing. And, um, you know, I knew from, for some reason, I knew from a pretty early age. I remember going through my dad's uh, garbage and seeing like, some, you know, a few stocks and reading his like, brokerage reports. And I got interested in the stock market. I knew from kind of high school that that uh, I wanted to be involved and invested in finance in some way. So that's what I studied at Oregon and set me on the path for that. That's what I've always envied about you. One of the things that kind of from a young age, you knew what you wanted to do um, and you kind of set your goals and you made it happen. So that's really cool. Yeah, I feel like at least for me and like a lot of my friends, like no idea what we want to do in the future. Um, which is the majority. Yeah, which is a normal thing. Yeah. Too. And even people who think they know what they want to do Don't. end up doing something else 10 years or yeah. 20 years later. It's not that initial thing mm-hmm. that they end up being successful. And sometimes it is. Uh, but so don't sweat that. Yeah. It'll come. Yeah. True. Just, yeah. just try as many things as possible. Talk, be curious, talk to as many people as possible. Absolutely. You guys are going to be in great shape. It's, it's part of the journey, as sure. you know. But it's a little, 
Yeah. Intimidating. Yeah, it's daunting to. Yeah. yeah. It's overwhelming, but. Yeah. Eric, how's the uh, the volume here? Do I need to, want me to hold the mic a little closer? Are we good? I think we're good. You should be good. Okay. Um, also, I forgot to shout out Eric at the start of the podcast. I said I was going to do Lachance. it. Eric Lachance. Eric yeah. Lachance. No, we do usually give him a shout out. Yeah. yeah. Call him Jamie 2.0. He's got some lighting upgrades. Um, no, so that's real, why we look so much better. This guy is really helps makes this podcast come together. So, Eric, we appreciate you back there. Thank you, Eric. Talk about somebody who has known what they yes. wanted to do. Oh, for yeah. A while Seriously. And is crafting that path as we speak. There. Great things. Um, He's been you, recently be doing uh, horse shows. Horse shows. <laughs> <laughs> He's the yeah, equestrian. He's the replay guy. You know, he needs to be looking for a wife that has horses. <laughs> yeah, that could be dead. That duo could be insane. That means there's, you know, yeah. money behind it. That's your company. No, I'm hoping he, you know, if he wants to go to New York with me in a year after he graduates, become a big producer, production guy. It'd be pretty cool. That's right. <laughs> um, but back to you. So, yeah, you kind of had a similar upbringing in a way as me, Aiden, you know, grew up in Portland, went to the same high school, college. Um, and then after you graduate from University of Oregon with a finance degree, yep. you start a job at Anderson Consultant, right? Correct. So can you tell me a little bit about that as you kind of start your career in finance and actually just computer coding? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It oh, was, really? it was technology and management consulting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I because I knew that this is what I wanted to do or something investment related, I thought, you know, I don't want to do that right off the bat because I don't know, I just wanted to learn more, but I wanted to learn about other businesses. And ideally I also wanted to travel and see more of the world because I had studied abroad my sophomore year at Oregon and that was transformational. I was studied, I studied at the University of London and then backpacked down from, from London down to Greece and that open my eyes to the world and travel and I wanted to do more of that. So Anderson allowed me to marry both those things, giving me exposure to different businesses and and to travel. So I ended up spending about four or five years there. This is right when computers, believe it or not, were kind of coming onto the scene. So we went into manufacturing companies and helped make their processes more efficient by implementing computers and software. So I had to I was like the bottom rung. I was coding the software. Oh my god! Put into the computer to like my first project. I think was with a uh, we wanted to a paper bag manufacturing plant <laughs> in California, and I had to code the software so it would make their factory. But it was kind of interesting because I did, we got to learn about how you make paper bags in a factory, and um, I combined my per diems with two other coworkers that we got to live on the strand at Hermosa Beach and for like nine months, so. Anyway. You got to live in Nice too, is that through? Yeah, 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 you got to live in some cool places. I did, I got super lucky. My friend, I got my friend Ron Heath a job and he ended up in Merced, California for like three years. Jeez. In the armpit, excuse me, <laughs> from Merced. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I was ended up in Milan, Italy and uh, Nice, France, lived in the French Riviera there for a while. Uh, Seattle, working for Microsoft. The Europe project was a Microsoft project. Uh, down in LA, like I mentioned. So got to some, see some really cool places, got to exposure to different businesses. That all worked out like I wanted it to, but I worked hard, you know, worked really hard, worked hard, played hard. And um, after four years of coding the computer, I was ready, I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So they usually stick you in a closet because, you know, you're just overhead while they hire you. So I'd be sitting in like the 
closet turning the computer for six or eight hours a day and working 12 hours a day overall. So. Well, that kind of puts it some something in perspective for me is like, you know, you're not going to do exactly what you want to do right away out of college. You're not going to love your job maybe, but you know, each yeah. job you learn new things and it, you know, allows you to realize what you do want to do, like you just said. So yeah, that gives me some peace of mind. For know, sure. Has like that advice. Relationships, yeah. you know, it's important is you learn as much about what you don't like or don't want, you know, as what you're, what you're good at mm -hmm. and what you do want. Were you hitchhiking through that job, or was, when when did you do a little travel and hitchhiking through Europe? Right? Oh, that was when I was. Studying. That was in college. That was still on the road. Hitchhiked up to St. Andrews to play golf up there. Oh my yeah, god, that's so cool! You're just so, telling me that story. Yeah. So when you decided you want to do your own thing, what like where does that even where do you start? I feel like I would have no idea like where to even begin. Yeah. Something like that. You know, so after Anderson, I got into the investment world. I started out managing corporate pension fund money. Figured that's not what I wanted to do. I had a great little run for five years in this local firm called Morley Capital, managed uh, corporate pension fund money. And I realized I wanted to work with individuals. I spent about six weeks at a brokerage firm. I realized that definitely wasn't for me. I didn't feel like they had their clients' best interests at heart, especially back then. Uh, it was more of a commission-based deal. And uh, that led me to join a small, what's called an RIA, Registered Investment Advisory Firm, and uh, which is a uh, firm focused on managing money primarily for individual clients and families. So after five years of there, um, we had kind of a difference of opinion. My, uh, my partner, Michael, and I had a difference of opinion on how to run that business and what was best for the clients from our partner who had started this small firm, IMS. And we just figured we could do it better. You know, we could probably, and we, there was a hope and a thought that we could do it better maybe than anyone else in Portland was doing it at the time. So we went and borrowed at the time $300,000. It seemed like a lot, but you know, it wasn't crazy amount. Um, it's one of the nice things about a service business like this. You don't have to build a factory, you mm -hmm. know, or build some new software for your idea. So that was attractive too. So we decided to go for it. We borrowed hundred thousand dollars from my parents, hundred from Michael's uh, in-laws, and a hundred from our friend who was worked at a local bank. Bor borrowed it from the bank, and then off we went. So entrepreneurship, baby. I know we. It's got to be a scary thing though to to leave like a stable workplace and kind of believe in yourself and stuff. Sure, especially when you're having kids. I mean, I think Max was on the way, but Kristen was pregnant with Max and my partner Michael's wife, Joan, was pregnant with their third oh, son. They eventually went on to four, so we had seven boys between us, but we were in the midst of all that and decided, let's go for it, oh, that's you know? Wild. And all worked out, our wife supported us, thank goodness. Yep. Um, so Vista comes to life in 2001, and you started with you and Michael, and then you had one other coworker. I should know her name. Lori. Lori. That was the first three, correct? We hired Lori about three or four months yeah, yeah. after we started Vista and turned out to be one of the best decisions uh, we ever made. She's still here today. So cool. She's uh -huh. our office manager and has run kind of the day-to-day -day office side of things um, for 22 years now. Yeah. Do you want to give us a little uh, background on Vista, what you guys do? 
kind of like a brief you overview. Yeah, we are a a wealth management firm. Call us a financial advisory firm. There's a lot of different names, an investment advisory firm, but we are fee-only investment advisor and uh, financial planning companies. So we invest our clients' money and then help them plan for the future. And back when, and you know, we started from scratch. Today, uh, we manage a little over two billion dollars for a little over 500 individuals and families. And I think there were 30. Seven employees or pictures are up there. So, um, you know, Michael and I had this idea back then that while most, almost, you know, rewind to 2000, this most of this industry was made up of uh, former stockbrokers who were out trying to pick stocks and beat the market. And they, in spite of the fact that over the years, the, the the academic evidence became overwhelming that stock picking and market timing didn't work. It, that's everyone was spending their time picking stocks, trying to beat the market. And we've talked about mm -hmm. the AX, Aiden, you, we came, you know, and sat in there, yeah. sat in there and got got the pitch. So uh, we thought we could combine the evidence based approach to investing with world class uh, financial planning and customer service. At the time, because People, uh, these investor advisors were so focused on research and picking stocks, they kind of ignored all these other areas that were so important to helping individuals be successful financially. Their, their uh, retirement planning, cash flow planning, insurance, taxes, estate planning, all these other things. So we eventually built up a team and and a uh, and and a service that helped them in all those other areas. So we combined kind of a what was a new type of investment approach with this financial planning um, idea and it kind of just went from there. So that's still what we do today. Yeah. And, and hopefully take great care of our clients with good, really good service. Yeah. And of course it's blossomed into something maybe a lot bigger than you ever. Sure. Yeah. Well, did you think this was going to become this big? I know you no. probably had faith in yourself, but yeah, that was never the idea. You know, Michael and I knew we were going to have, we were on our way to being dads. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to have a business where we could be home for dinner and coach our kids' teams someday. And we were able to do that, uh, but it we grew, grew this at the same time, and that, that took its toll. Uh, yeah. You know, it gave, gave me the flexibility that I craved. It allowed us to build a company that, that spoke to us, that reflected our core values, the core values you see on the wall today, um, build a company we could be proud of, build a company that where we could take sabbaticals and offer our employees sabbaticals, build a company that uh, our clients could be proud of and where we took great care of them. Um, but because people told their friends about us and we started growing, you know, a lot of responsibility eventually came with it. And, and uh, that was awesome. Uh, mostly awesome, but it also was, at times I was got a little over my skis and shoot from a stress standpoint. Yeah. yeah, and you had a little had to deal with some adversity in '08, right? When was it? Yeah, the the financial crisis, uh, yeah. 2008, 2009. Oh, um, at the same time, your brother got sick yeah. um, with cancer. Your mom did as well, and I was working way too much, and I was. Coming home on two wheels, 
taken off my tie. I was probably wearing, you know, eventually didn't wear a tie, but you know, throwing off my sport coat, hopping on the bike and motoring with you up to Raleigh Park to coach soccer. You know, it's like yeah. you guys in our little yeah. youth soccer team. And at the time, I didn't realize it how much you were dealing with, how much you. Were yeah, dealing. it's crazy. You never really noticed. Like I remember. Like there's times where like my dad would be really stressed and I'd have no idea. Yeah, you know when you're a kid. Yeah, unless you're just you're, oblivious to. Unless it. you're like getting backhanded by. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I, you know, hopefully neither Joe or I ever did. But yeah, I'm sure I was a little shorter at times with you than I wanted yeah. to be. But um, no, you've always made made time for us. So I never, even during the times you were stressful and were extra busy, like you always made time for us, and I never felt like you were away for us from yeah. us for too long. So. That's, that was really cool, and I really appreciate that about you. Yeah, well, thank, you. Um, thank you for saying that. So, of course, you know, there's a lot more in the Vista story, um, but you know, we hired great, hired great people. There's now 11 owners, 11 of us that own Vista. Proud of that. Um, you know, made some mistakes along the way, but generally tried to keep it simple and do the right thing. And um, yeah, so it was a great ride and. Like you, as, as we started talking about earlier, though, it did come with the cost that I eventually got that balance figured out. But um, you know, there's, I went to this, this human performance institute deal for like a two and a half day retreat for executives, and they talk about the circle of compromise where your stress increases through life as you climb your career path and start having kids and get involved in the community and your ability of mentally and physically to handle that stress slowly to, you know peaks in your 20s and slowly mm -hmm. starts to decline and pretty soon your ability to handle the stress is less than the amount of workload you have and i kind of balked and so to speak in my early 40s and started make you know i, I think uh dealing with anxiety became harder for me to sleep um just never felt quite in balance or as healthy as i wanted to be um and eventually you know, that led to me getting pneumonia in the middle of the summer when you got, we were supposed to be off at the camping and yeah. hanging out with our friends at Confam. And at that point, I knew I needed to change some things. That was kind of the, the low point um, after several years of just not being in balance. So, yeah. So that kind of leads into something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, we mentioned it in the Mark Field podcast, he did a meditation retreat. But yeah, you know, at that time you were kind of had some anxiety, feeling really stressed. Um, you looked into meditating, and you know that's become I feel like a more and more popular these days. There's just a lot more hear a lot more professional athletes talking about the benefits mm -hmm. of it. Something I want to do more that I haven't gotten myself into. But um, you went on a 10 day retreat, silent retreat. Silent retreat. I did. Um, Aiden, you take handle Hell 10 no. days not, no way not saying a word no, not reading not. writing talking and meditating 10 hours a day oh i'd freak out have you ever tried meditation i've tried it a few times you've been a you're a pretty accomplished athlete in high school i mean i never really did anything yeah. like that um well, i've done it like at home a couple times um and i i notice that i, I relax but mm -hmm. yeah yeah your meditation is sleeping in a while. <laughs> yeah that's that's one <laughs> Uh, you don't really I mean. hear hear about this. Even like my uh, professor, and you'll get into it here in a sec. But had listened to our podcast with uh, Mark, and he he sort of asked me about it. Thought it was really really captivated his interest. The, uh, it's pretty unique. Brando, Brando. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that could benefit from mm -hmm. it, or maybe are looking to do something like that. 
Um, yeah. So what was it it's all about? A, it's amazing the number of people that came up and started talking to me about their own anxiety or depression and stress, whatever you want to call it, um, after I did that. You know, they say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And yeah. I started hearing it. Like, who, who goes on a 10-day silent retreat in our community, in our neighborhood? And I kind of did it without telling anybody. But, you know, it was a, it, as I explored ways to kind of unwind this knot that I'd created, um, all roads led to meditation, you know. And um, I, I did, I cut back to a four-day work week, uh, you know, because I don't really have a middle gear. I'm either going 70 miles an hour or zero or something close to zero so although some people would argue maybe my zero is not zero but um so i cut down to 40 work week i cut back on some of my commitments uh in the community that all helped you know i exercised a little more um but what really ultimately moved the needle in my life was meditation and as i started talking to people um i was introduced to this gentleman named VJ Shankar, who's just brilliant psychiatrist um, from India. And uh, I read a lot of books. You know, I just decided I was going to, uh, I had a business coach that said, you know, throw the kitchen sink at this. Like, you got to get healthy. So I did. And I read a ton and talked to a ton of people. And again, all roads led to meditation. And most of those roads led to this Vipassana type of meditation. And there's 250 of these Vipassana retreats in the world. It's a long story as to what Vipassana is. It was started in, in the Far East. It's a, a form of meditation that uh, Buddha himself practiced. But in this stressed out, burned out businessman, really wealthy businessman in, I think, like Myanmar or somewhere, um, after suffering these terrible migraines, he couldn't get better. He found meditation. It totally solved his issue you know, made him healthier and he started building these retreats to share this with all his friends and family and it grew to this 250 centers all around the world and one of them happens to be a 90 minute drive from here, maybe two hours up near Mount Rainier. So without telling too many people, I took off to this Vipassana retreat and for 10 days didn't talk to a person, uh, read or write and meditated 10 hours each day which was insane because i had meditated a little bit wow nothing oh my, wait yeah. so it was 10 hours of meditation a day a day oh my god a day tapping in what is, a different god i feel like you'd get in this zone where there like, were some crazy things that happened oh my god as a result yeah of that. you gotta tell the uh I'm sure there's a lot of stories but you gotta tell the time where you woke up and you just felt all the yeah currents in your oh, yes geez. yes there, there's several things that stand out. One is how all the animals that are in, they, this is like a 20 acre retreat. They like walk peacefully and the birds just like build nests right next to the rooms and that they just walk peacefully amongst the people because everyone is just giving off this really mellow vibe, you know, which that it just kind of was weird uh, in a really cool way. But by far the most kind of mind blowing thing to me was like on the third or fourth night I woke up after two hours of sleep and I could feel like, because you eventually go from focusing on your breath to doing this body scan for 10 hours a day where you just try to feel your body. You pay attention to Pay attention yeah. to the energy in your body from top well, to down to your toes and back. And you try to do that as long as you can without thinking about whatever, you know, meeting your friends tonight for a beer. And 
you inevitably your mind wanders, but you come back and um, and it puts your brain. You know, ultimately your brain is connected to your body. That's why it's there, right? And it makes you just intensely aware and able to feel everything in your body. And so I would lay there awake. I'd sleep two hours and lay there the rest of the night. And I could feel, it felt like literally someone plugged my finger into an electric socket. And I went, first time I took like a couple Advil because I was so freaked out by it. Then I learned to, then they mentioned it when I, when, one day. Um, and I learned just to relax and accept it. And the crazy thing is I was sleep, I'd sleep two hours a night, but from this meditation and what we were doing, I felt more rested and just alive than I had at any time in my life. So it, true meditation is more restful for you than sleep. So when you're meditating 10 hours a day, I guess you don't need to sleep. Yeah, that's enough sleep. God. So do the Buddhists do that? Like, what's is it just an intensified treatment to really get you on track? You know? Yes. Like, what's kind of their world? Because like? I don't know much about it. I don't know how many hours were they, because that's kind of where it stemmed from. They recommended when we left that you practice meditate for an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. And I came out of there um, uh, dedicated or committed to doing an hour in the morning every day. That two hours wasn't going to happen. That's, but that's And I did for the next maybe 10 years. I got up an hour early and put in an hour, did an hour of meditation. Um, God, do you think about how many hours, 10 years, hour a day? I know. You know, you think about it, your brain is we all work out a lot of us work out right and lift weights or go for a run or bike or whatever and, but very few of us exercise our brain and abraham lincoln has a great quote he says give me give me six hours to chop down a tree and i'll spend four hours sharpening the axe mm. and you know i think we use our brains all day and they're responsible for so much of our health and well-being yet we spend very little if any time sharpening that axe you know so i think that's what meditation does and tim ferris who runs one of the most popular podcasts uh, wrote tools for the titans which he interviewed hundreds of world-class performers neuroscientists authors musicians athletes um he went back and went through every single one of his interviews and to try to figure out what habits they ha had in common and you know, to make them great to make them great yeah and by far the most common 80 percent of them uh practice some form of meditation or mindfulness wow so i read that at one point before i did this retreat and i'm like okay you know there's something to this meditation stuff so super wow. cool i want to do it at some point the um, site yeah the silent i would Absolutely love it, man. Max sitting for 10 hours work. meditating could be. Yeah, it's Maybe it's harder. It's so yeah. hard. The first day I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, man. There's 100 people in this one. I think they say on average five people don't make it, which I thought would be more. But, yeah, there's about three or four that walked out when I was there. But it's hard. So you come out of that, kind of gets you back on track. Um, and you're, yeah. There's a lot more to you than just finance and, uh, you know, starting Vista, your family man, too. Um, you want to talk about kind of the family you raised? Three boys. Three knuckleheads. Three knuckleheads, yeah. Yeah. Dorothy and Dick Johansson. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, you know, my dad, my dad passed away in November. Um, but they were always there for me, you know, always gave me unconditional love. And after I turned about 16, kind of just said, 
go do your thing. Kind of stayed out of my hair and hopefully I've kind of done that with you guys. But no, ultimately, you know, I think it's the relationships in our lives that matter most. Uh, there's a great book called The Good Life that talks about that. It's Harvard has this longest running study on happiness and human thriving in the world. And it's like 85 year study. And um, that's their conclusion that it's the relationships in our life that matter most. Uh, and it all starts with the family, the relationships in your family. So, and it all starts really then who you marry. So, you know, marry the right person. Shout out uh, moms. Yeah. Shout out to the moms. Kristen. And, and, and my wife, Kristen, has been just the best partner I could, you know, ever ask for. I almost get emotional talking about it, really. I don't know why. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, you know, had a great partner through a lot of ups and downs and, and uh, tried to be a great parent and always tried to be present. You know, if there's one advice I could give you boys someday, hopefully you have kids your own, man, just be there. Just be there for them. And um, one of the best pieces I advice I ever got along that path was because it's so easy to be a helicopter parent. It's so easy to be a nag and, you know, try to impose your belief on how to do things in life, how to see the world, but your kid's totally different than you and sometimes really different. And and so this one teacher said, um, if, you know, let your kids make their own decisions and unless the consequences of a bad decision are catastrophic. And so I think that's how your mom and I have tried to parent. Um, and we let you guys kind of go off and find your own path. And uh, you made some mistakes along the way, but I think generally it's been a hell yeah. of a run, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we've had a lot of fun together. And yeah. I'd also say have dinners, you know, be, be home for be home for dinner when you can. It's, you know, as busy as I was with this place, as many sports as you guys played, your mom always made it, tried to make you yeah. dinner, and we always somehow set everything aside and found a way to sit around that dinner table every night. I think that's one of the reasons why we're so close. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, it was one of my favorite things. And I know, Aiden, you come from a really close family. Yeah, I you know, I know like some of my friends, the dinner idea was so bizarre to them. I was like, because we did the same thing every night. You sit around yeah. the dinner table. So I guess maybe it is a special thing. It is. I don't know why, but it's just that time when yeah. you're on and your mom and dad always worked hard and played hard, you know, a lot like us. I've yep. always admired the Corbett family for that. You guys are close and like to have fun together just yep. like we do, you know, even to this day, which is pretty cool to see, you know, us still having, you know, a lot of kids separate from their parents after college. But yeah. Another thing I've admired about you is your ability to keep yourself in shape and to allow yourself to play sports with us, you know, be active. Um, yeah. We heard had, about the three-on-three three Yeah, tournament. we just had a three-on-three three tournament, me, Cole, my older brother, and my dad. Uh, two years ago, we won it. It was through the MAC, outdoor. But to this day, my dad is still hooping, playing well, um, and there's not many people out there that can do that. So I think that's been pretty cool, and you've kind of showed me the way, too, to just stay active, be healthy, because um, in the long run, it'll, it'll pay off and you can still do things with your kids to this day. Amen. I, I know that's one of your favorite things to do is, you know. For sure. I mean, talking about something that brings me joy, man, is, you know, just being active 
and just playing, just having fun. And when I can do it with you guys, uh, it's just, that's the best of all worlds, you know? And I had a great run in this last few weeks where you and I and Cole playing that three on three tourney. We didn't win it this time. And, and I heard, I'm, sure, I'm sure me being 55 is, doesn't, doesn't help. I heard Max got a game winner hit in his face. He did. That's what he I heard. Yeah. yeah. I was so locked in for that tournament too. <laughs> I, you were, you were talking about it for a while. I was, yeah. And my mind was set on it. Cause it's, you know, you get your name put up on the wall <laughs> yeah. and you know, I, you know, it's, it's a bit of a you know, yeah. bragging rights sort of thing for sure. But when you get a taste of victory, you, you want it back. <laughs> yeah. But so it was yeah, great. Super cool. Yeah, you know, your brother Cole flew home, which I thought was the coolest yeah. thing to play. Um, I got to play Cole and his buddies invited me to come down and, played beach volleyball with them for a weekend. So I pretended I was 24 and played beach volleyball. We'd go swimming in between and, you know, and they're down in, uh, we, well, Coles in San Diego, we drove up to LA and I rented a place a couple blocks off the beach and you'd have loved it, Aiden. Oh, that's um, sweet. But Cole has a great group of friends just like you guys do. And so I got to do that. I just loved it and, uh, you know, played hoop in the driveway with Drew and his buddies yeah. a couple times in the last month. So. Um, man, that's what's the, certainly what motivates me to stay in shape and get to the gym and play pickleball and hoops and go for a run or work out or whatever. So getting the sauna and cold plunge. Yeah, yeah that's uh, once my dad retired, he, you know, tried to put on a couple projects. And one thing he had always wanted to do is put in a sauna and cold pool. Maybe not always, but as of recently. I've been thinking about it for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, that cold so that's been a great insane. addition. He hired one of our good family friends who kind of do construction work and build homes and stuff to shout out to Pete and Shannon. Yeah, Landry. Pete Landry, Shannon, it's Pete and Shannon Landry. It's Landry and Co. And yeah, yeah. Actually, Shannon's the driver. Yeah, you know she's Pete's boss. So yeah, <laughs> got oh, yeah. Shannon. Said. Shannon's the one who started it. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's done some work for us over the past few years. Um, but yeah, we put in a sauna and cold pool. Which has been yeah. a great addition. Game changer, man. After meditation, that might be the next, you know, best addition in the last 10 years. Um, yeah. Aiden, it's intense. Eric, Eric, you're a fan? I love it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Here's a hangover. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I came over hungover. <laughs> it and does. It, it does. I've been known me. to use it for that, too. Yeah. Yeah. We well, hear Joe Rogan and guys like Andrew Huberman talk about it all the time. And Man, I know. It's really becoming. When we first started planning on this, it's kind of my retirement gift to myself. You didn't hear that much about cold plunge. We had been doing it in the lake and whitefish cutting a hole in the ice and getting in and starting to hear about it. I heard more and more just the impact on, you know, inflammation and immune system and mood enhancement, you know, and it was like, okay, this, there's something to this. And you know how you feel when you jump in a cold lake or whatever, how you feel that rush that mm -hmm. how good you feel afterwards, even though it's painful at the beginning. Um, so yeah, we did it. We had Pete and Shannon built this sauna, and which has a lot of also has a lot of health benefits. The Scandinavians have known about the benefits of a sauna for, I think, hundreds if not thousands of years. So you got the hot and you got the cold. And now, I mean, Max, you get in almost every day. Drew, when he's home, every day. Cole, maybe not quite as much, but yeah. some of it. And your mom, in, in, with her friends, has yeah. gotten into it. So it's great to see your friends coming by. Yeah. I don't think there's a day when cold plunge doesn't doesn't you know get some use so it's been really cool and and really i think been great for me personally in terms of just you know how i feel every day and my routine so 
Yeah, it's amazing the difference you feel. I can't imagine not like having that. My, obviously not everyone can do it, and we're pretty fortunate to have that. For sure. Even just uh, anyone can make a homemade ice yeah, bath. Really we just got Riley one of the blow-up ones for his house. Okay, um, awesome. So, yeah, he just takes ice from the yeah. freezer and puts it in there. Real. Fills it with water, yeah. and you just, yeah. yeah. And maybe you get to drain the water every time, or maybe you you can use it for yeah. a couple, three times, yeah, and drain it, yeah. and then fill it back up, and yeah. Yeah, dump a bunch of ice in it. Yeah, so it's definitely more popular now than, but you were in the, the front of this trend. It's but, funny, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's great to see. I mean, it's a lifelong thing. You guys can take advantage yeah. of, you know, and you know that's out there. So yeah, so kind of switching gears. Um, another thing I always thought was so cool about you and admired about you is your desire to give back to people in the community. Um, you started Bench Warmers, a AAU basketball team with my older brother Cole. Um, you support some nonprofit organizations like Casa, um, and there's a couple other ones. I think I'm forgetting. You started your own. You started the Beaverton Success Fund for Beaverton yep. High School. Yep. So if you want to get into that a little bit and how you've kind of given back to the community and made connections to make it a better place. Yeah. Well, thank you. And now I know, and I tell you, one of my role models in that being is your mom. Mm. You know, Katie, who is the executive director at Rosehaven, which is the only women's day, uh, women and children's focused uh, uh, center in the in Portland and. It's a tough job, but man, yeah. she does so much good. I just think it's awesome that she does that and um, applies because she could do anything. She could be good at whatever she wanted, and she's super talented. And the fact that she has dedicated her life to try to help others, yeah. you know, to helping others. I mean, she raised enough money to build this new day shelter new place, yeah. for women and children. It's just incredible. But, um, you know, I think felt early on like I lived a very privileged and blessed life. I mean, I grew up in upper middle class family, a white upper middle class family. And, um, you know, I didn't have a lot handed to me, but in, I didn't have a lot of barriers or obstacles I had to knock down like a lot of people do. So I was always pretty aware of that. And so from a pretty early age, I got involved um, Right out, right, you know, when I was young with United Way, eventually I spent 10 years uh, working with CASA that helps foster kids. And uh, that was a big passion of mine. And then eventually uh, started a couple nonprofits, you know, smaller ones, but uh, of my own. Um, I got together, you know, this probably, I don't want to go too deep into this, but at some point along the way, we realized that youth sports was broken. And it was kind of in the, it, it's probably almost permanently broken now, but um, it was breaking down. And I'll never forget, um, we played, you know, uh, West Hill soccer. I coached you for nine years, right? Yes, sir. You were there for part of the ride. Yeah. And we had a, just so much fun. It was all your friends at school, your friends in the community. Um, all the parents kind of knew each other. We had this great experience. Um, we, played you when you were playing with Jerome's yeah. team. Right? I was, Jerome was coaching, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, we we, we talked about this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Max might have even cried after. He did. I saw tears. <laughs> Cole's <laughs> Cup, <laughs> neighborhood, Cole's Cup, bash, yeah. battle. Yeah, you played for us for like one or Yeah, it was like I could do it every other year for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Of the age difference. Yeah, but generally you played a year down with yeah. Jerome's team. And that was such a great experience. All our boys, all your brothers played the, you know, 
youth neighborhood soccer and went through West Hills. And then one year, Drew decided he wanted to go, go on to club soccer. I'll never forget, like, I never had one of our boys really play on a club team of any kind. Cole, maybe a little bit of Mac basketball, if that counts. And it was just felt so stale and so different to me, you know, and it was a great club, you know, nothing against it. But I just said, man, this is, it's just not the same as playing on your Raleigh Hills little yeah, team, West is, Hills soccer, you yeah. know, it's just so, it's more stressful, it's much bigger commitment. Anyway, when your brother is a really hard worker, super passionate about basketball, and as he was wanting to play more and more, I ended up getting together with two like-minded dads and said, there's got to be a better way to plug in our, our boys into these existing you know, basketball programs where you had to pay like $10,000 a year and they were traveling all over the world and practicing like four nights a week and playing tournaments every weekend. And we're like, that's not, there's a better way, right? And so we started our, a team where we said, we're gonna focus on skill development, not playing a ton of games. We're gonna not practice more than a couple times a week. And we're not, all the tournaments are gonna be local, except for maybe one or two. And so we found enough good, pretty good local players. Parents believed in the same thing. The kid wanted the same thing, gave the kids more time to be kids, to play other sports. You know, both you guys played a lot of sports. Aiden's, you, I thought, always did a great job of, you know, you're a very good athlete and you could have gone a lot of directions, but you always played soccer and lacrosse and Keep basketball yeah. and, you know, all these things. Um, and I think you're a role model for that type of, you know, attitude and your parents helped, I think. Yeah, they'd always say that. to yeah. play. Because there was a time where I wanted to do, like, club lacrosse because, like, my friends and I'd be, like, stressed that all my friends were playing club lacrosse and I wasn't. Yeah, I'm going to get left behind. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of that. But then my dad's like, no, just keep, like, just switch. Like, you're going to get burnt out. And so I kept switching and I think yeah. it worked, yeah. And, you know, guess what? You played varsity in two or at least two sports, if not two, one. Yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, it, it, it best athletic program in the state, a Jesuit, right? Damn right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He didn't admit it, but yeah. he's got the good athletes. Really he sure does. You did too. You got stuck with the Johansson. <laughs> but uh, oh. anyway, so we started, we called the bench warmers as a joke because everyone else was like the super elite 150 team or whatever. And Legendary name. Yeah, yeah but, and it stuck. One. And we eventually hired Glenn Koblenz to coach the team. And he shared our vision for what the program should look like. And he, we found enough of a niche where he grew this bench warmers program into 12 teams you know and we'd raise a little money to help bring on kids that maybe couldn't otherwise afford it so that was great um then it a few years later um your brother started attending beaverton high school and your mom and i are big fans of public schools you know you had some public schools some private school and we have a lot of friends who choose the private school route but whether or not you're son or daughter goes to a private school you hopefully you realize the importance of having a strong public school mm -hmm. public schools um and we certainly did and i looked at beaverton and realized they could use some help and uh ann irwin the new principal called me in one day and said hey would you help me put together a team of six uh, like a half dozen community and business leaders that we could kind of advise me on how to run a school maybe a little bit differently and help connect Beaverton with the outside community where we can benefit maybe from some of the resources. And I'm like, how many principals ask for that? Not too many these days. So I'm like, count me in. And I built a team, uh, helped build a team with included 
your your neighbor and close family friend Megan Talalamotu, mm-hmm. uh, Joth Ricky who runs Dutch Bros, and there are six of us overall. Um, and in the process, decided that we could st- we, that Anne was going to need money to help accomplish her vision on taking Beaver and High School to the next level. So we started the Beaver and High School Success Fund, and you know, with the idea that if if Jesuit can raise millions of dollars from its alumni, why can't Beaverton? It has a hundred year history. And you look around town and a lot of successful leaders and business owners have been Beaverton high grads, just like Jesuit mm-hmm. grads. And it worked, you know? I'll never forget when Joth called me um, one day and we were hoping, you know, I don't know what our goals were, maybe hopefully raise a few hundred thousand dollars that Ann could spend on whether, whatever her initiatives were. And he said, are you sitting down? I said, yeah. And he said, we just got a commitment for $2 million, I think it was. Wow. And so I think he, this donor eventually ended up giving $3 million. It was a BHS grad that had gone on to be very successful in Wall Street. Uh, fast forward to today, we've raised $8 million. We started an engineering pathway, uh, started future days where we send kids to college campuses and local businesses so they can envision success down the road. Uh, we, we give out $150,000 a year in college scholarships. We started an after-school wait program that over 100 kids attend. Uh, we pay a teacher to come in, and we paid for new equipment, and more importantly, paid for a really high-energy, awesome teacher, Mr. Reen. Yeah, right? Mr. Reen. Yep. A shout out. Name in a long yeah, time. yeah. And he goes in there and motivates these kids and they kind of, they didn't have an option to work out after school. You know, it's a different situation than, mm-hmm. than you had a Jesuit. So we're really proud of that. Um, we are now arguably the most fee-friendly public school in the state. We've waived, been able to waive all fees for all the AP tests, for all the activities, for drama, for dance, for you know, a robotics program, all this thing, and we have the cost to play sports because I, I don't know what it is now, but I think it may be $300 to like go out and play football. Um, cool. So the success fund covers half of that. How many high schools, at least in Oregon, have something like the success fund? Is it becoming Almost nine in the country for really? what I can find. Lincoln has something, but it's not the same. Um, they're very, very few. Um, and I don't know why that is exactly when private schools are yeah, so good at Jesuit. it. Yeah, that's Jesuit. It's a huge thing. Yeah, I've had so many people inquire about how we did it, but I think principals are so overwhelmed with just trying to get their job done on a daily basis. They have such a difficult job. That Anne, Anne's one of the hardest working people I've ever met. Shout out Anne Irwin. Yeah, Anne Irwin, Dr. Irwin. Dr. Irwin. Yep, yep. and she got, some, she got her... She got her PhD as she was principal, as she was helping oh us start the success fund. Um, and she yeah, recently retired and she's going to turn her, her passion to something else uh, soon. It's spending time with her grandkids now. But yeah, it, it, you know, I think it's really hard for principals to, because they need to help drive it, if not be the driver. And it's hard for parents to wrap their brain around. They're stuck on just kind of raising money for parents, like selling coupons to go you know to Dairy Queen or whatever you know those little coupon mm-hmm. cards and it they're all raising little smaller amounts of money to support all their separate little programs that their kids are in but none of them have stepped back and really thought big like this so it it worked man and we're all really proud of you know 
what we're able to do is help and support Anne and hopefully, you know, make a difference in a few lives and including yeah. the college scholarships that we give yeah, out. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for helping make Beaverton the quarter place. I was thinking what's cool is I don't know if this is directly correlated with the success fund, but you kind of helped adopt uh, what you have here at Vista, your core values into the school. Am I am I correct on that? Or is that, yeah. you should come up with that. No, good, good memory. It's pretty cool. I okay. forgot what Beaverton's are. Diversity unites us. A couple of things, but. Tra um, tradition. Uh, tra tradition. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I used to be able to pop them off. But, but no, we, we impressed upon Ann early on the importance of having core values that you can lead with that help guide you every single time you're making an important decision every single day you come to work. And so she created uh, uh, four core values for Beaverton that she preached on a daily basis, you know, and we at Vista preach, pursue excellence, enjoy the journey, strive for simplicity, act with integrity, and be passionate. Um, and uh, I think that's played a big role in Vista's success. We established those early on and it's amazing when you repeat those every day and you're sitting in a room with some people, whether it was Ann at Beaverton or us here, and we're trying to make a tough decision. We're like, you know what? Strive for simplicity. We're gonna go with the simple mm -hmm. solution to this problem, so. Love it. Um, it was cool to see Ann do that at Beaverton. That's yeah, really cool. For sure. Really cool. Not, not all yeah. high schools have no, that. No, very, very few. Um, so one thing I kind of want, wanted you to give to us um, and the people watching, because we have a lot of a lot younger audience um, in terms of finance. One thing I've been fortunate enough to have is someone like you who is a professional in um, the world of finance and wealth management, has a lot of good wisdom, knows a lot about it. And from a young age, when I first started working, you kind of gave me, Cole and Drew, um, kind of a layout of what you should do with your money. Start saving right away. I know saving's a huge thing. Um, it's, you've done it since the beginning. But I wanted you to do a little like finance 101 that could maybe help some people out because I have a lot of friends who are always asking about it. What should I do with my money in terms of investing? So you helped us open up a Schwab account with some mutual funds, um, a Roth IRA to help save for retirement. Put some of your summer money in there and we help match it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how you want to approach it, but I guess like a little finance 101 for those maybe looking to save some money and yeah. build for the future for yeah. themselves. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Aiden, what do you remember from us sitting in there? Can you, is there? I remember the biggest curveball was the stock thing. Cause I always thought like you could play this investing in a single stock mm -hmm. and win. And you saying beat, beat that, the system. Yeah, yeah. You saying that it was the mutual funds were the way to go about it was, was the, my big takeaway. Good. All. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a 20 year old, 18 year old, yeah. However old, yeah. you're starting to make some money from a job. What do you, you know, in the, in the, vein of strive for simplicity it's it's not that complicated really it, we have a saying to this that it's investing is simple but it's not easy um i'd say to all all of you know you and your brother's friends starting out in your 20s um you you okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, we talked about this in the I, car. Yeah, I said, what if what if the water goes oh, down yeah. the wrong the wrong? Can you cut this? Can you, yeah. can you cut this out, Jeremy? <laughs> God, sorry. No, that's, that's, that's not important. It's like I remember watching a Bruce Springsteen uh, DVD, like his show in like Barcelona or something, and he forgot the words to the song in the middle of the. <laughs> and I like yeah, that's what makes it awesome. Makes yeah, it feel, it, right? it's more natural. Uh, we broke college kids. Yeah. Man, swallow water the wrong way and spoke it into existence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh man, so you know, live below your means from the beginning to the extent you can, and that will hopefully allow you to start saving early. Uh, the power of starting early because of the power of compounding is enormous. So I would say that's number one. There's a story we like to tell where we say, if Max, if you start saving $1,000 a year, plus or $100 a month or whatever it is, today for the next 10 years, so you from 22 to 32, save $100 a month. You don't start till 32, which would be perfectly normal. Uh, and you save for 20 years, 32 to 52. So you save $100 a month for 20 years. You stop at age 32. Who do you think will have more money at age 52? The person who saved for 10 years or the person who saved for 20 years? You would, you would take the 20. Yeah, but of course, no, it's the person who started earlier and saved for 10. will actually have a meaningful amount more than the person who saved twice as much because they started early and then as that grew at hopefully eight or nine or 10% a year, the power of compounding wins. Ooh. So that's number one. Take that money. Don't try to pick the next Google or Apple. It's a loser's game. It's fun. Maybe carve a little bit of money out to try to do that, but the odds are you will not be successful. So build a globally diversified, low cost, tax efficient if it's taxable money, but diversified, Globally diversified, low-cost portfolio using mutual funds. And stay disciplined. Don't sell stocks when they're down and you're reading all the bad headlines and don't you know, mortgage the house to buy more when it's hot. Don't chase hot returns. Stay disciplined, keep it simple. That's number two. Uh, I would say you wanna own a home rather than rent, generally as soon as you can, although I don't think you need to I wouldn't give up being able to travel when you're younger to own a home at a really young age. But when you can get start paying yourself instead of renting, do that. But beyond that, a house is not an investment. I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that your home is an investment, but there's a lot of costs. You know, Historically, homes provide very little to any re real return when you net out property taxes, maintenance, utilities, the cost of moving, all these different things. So don't think, don't, you know, I'd say Kristen and I will probably end up owning two homes plus our home in Montana that we bought recently. But we had our starter home and we have the home we live in now. And my guess is we might, you might have to drag us out of there someday. So um, I would say along with that kind of, well, no, I think it's separate, minimize debt. So other than your home mortgage and maybe your first car loan, I don't think there's a reason to have any debt, right? And in doing so, you'll save a lot of money in interest costs and you'll prevent 
a really negative. Some t people really get wiped out because they end up owing way more than they can afford to pay. Um, and then be smart about the risks you take. Don't get overextended with debt and make sure you have the right insurance as you get older. Have good health insurance policy, homeowner's insurance policy. If your house burns down, you don't want to lose it. You're good. Um, have a life insurance policy when you start having kids if something happens to you so your family's taken care of. And have a disability policy. So manage risk appropriately in your life so a random negative event doesn't wipe out everything that you've been working towards. So I think if you follow those simple rules, you know, you're on the right path. On the right mm -hmm. path. We, we, we often say that everything you need to know about successful personal, it, it, successful investing in personal finance, you can sit on one index card. You really can. It's true. But it's just sticking to actually doing those things mm -hmm. and being disciplined. That's hard. Yeah. And can you talk about the couple accounts? You don't have to go deeply into it, but they help me open and some of my friends. For sure. Roth. Mutual funds, because you always say, you know, just the couple, Vanguard. Yeah. World Mutual Funds is, if you just stick to that, you're going to beat out 99.9% of everyone else just trying to, like you mentioned earlier, trying to buy the next Google or yeah Apple, you know, 100%. I'd boil it all down to start saving in either a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. Maximize your contributions there. And once those are maximized and you have enough money to save beyond that, and start saving in a regular account. I like it, Charles Schwab. And for a long time, I think all you really need is the Vanguard, Vanguard Total World Index Fund. It's one fund, ultra low cost. I think it's 10 basis, maybe even less than 10, might even be like five or basis points or something, which is 0.05%. And you can own thousands of stocks across 40 plus countries. And that's all you need. Just buy the Vanguard Total World Index Fund own it in a Roth IRA and then maybe eventually in a regular account when you're set. Maybe stay away from Bitcoin or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can speculate. You can go to Vegas. Um, you can yeah. own Bitcoin. It's the same thing. Love it. Well, I think, I think we're to wrap it up. Yeah, what, what was that, Eric? Eric, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Cool. I don't know if there's anything else you want to preach or... Preach, yeah. baby. Cool. Preach. I know it's kind of a broad question, but I like having our guests kind of give yeah. some mm -hmm. words of wisdom to that was something maybe that you live by that you hold valuable to yourself. Let me ask you guys, where do you see each of you? You're at a really cool point in life. Where do you see yourself in five years, ideally? I think I probably want to be somewhere other than Oregon and I think by mid twenties, I want to go somewhere, like maybe, like even like California or something. Like maybe do like what Cole's doing yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, job wise, again, I have no idea. Um, but I definitely want to go do something somewhere. What do you think you're best at? What mm. What skill do you have? I think. Other than lacrosse. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not much use anymore. No, that's why it's yeah. weird. I think I I like being around people and so I don't like I don't even know that using your communication yeah communication skills, skills yeah. maybe 
Well, you always, Carnegie would say 75% of your success ultimately is not based on your technical skills, but your people skills. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some with people. Yeah. I don't I want to. Yeah. We'll find it. Max? Um, yeah, seems similar to him. I want to get out of Portland for a little bit. Um, I've had a lot of people kind of give me some advice and saying, you know, try to get out of your hometown for a little bit, experience living somewhere else. Um, Although I do love Portland, I see myself here maybe raising a family. Uh, I like to hear that. Yeah, I'm going to try to get to New York in the winter. Give that a go, but I'm excited for you. I don't know, just kind of take it year by year, see what happens. I feel like everything kind of unfolds for itself. And, yeah. Um, everything seems to usually work out, but also knowing that there might be some bumps along the way. But yeah, sure. just using my skills of being a good person trying to get connected with as many people as I can, do podcasts like this. Well, you you know, you guys, I think what you're doing here with this podcast is awesome. I mean, there was a day when your mom and I had like you on the couch, like drooling on yourself, on your phone, going, what's Max going to do, you know? And fast forward, you started at University of Power Washing, Aiden, yep. sporting the colors, yep. nice job. Uh, you guys, Eric, Aiden, Max, this podcast has just been really cool. I think you're Learn, meeting a lot of cool people and learning a lot of great things um, by doing this. So just keep doing those, finding those things that you're passionate about, right? I think you asked um, if I had any kind of final words of wisdom. I'd say for everybody that's, you know, in their early 20s thinking about what's next, I think take a few moments, set aside you know, some time to clear your mind, think about yourself, identify what your strengths are, what you're passionate about, set some goals for yourself, some real simple goals. And if you can align how you spend your time each day, each week, each month, each year with those strengths and with those goals, you're going to succeed at something, you know? So the clearer you can get on those things. You know, Max, you put a whiteboard up in your room a couple of years ago that I thought yeah. was just awesome, you know, that helps you be clear on those things. And I think travel also is pretty cool. Yeah, everyone should look, I know everyone loves to travel, but um, kind of getting outside your comfort zone and exploring the world, it's another yeah. thing. You learn a lot about yourself and it's a lot more to the world than absolutely. Now I think big part of our family culture and yeah. what we enjoy doing for sure. So yeah, get out there, take risks, you know, seek new experiences and uh, be remarkable. Whatever it is, just be, find something you're passionate, passionate about and, and, and be remarkable because you only got, we all only have this one amazing life to live, right? Yep. Yep. Well, thank you, Dad, and thank you for being such a good role model to all of us and a good father. Absolutely. It's been a blessing to be able to grow up under you, and, you know, so it's been pretty cool, and we all appreciate you. Yeah. Big supporters of us throughout the years, so. Definitely. That's why I really wanted to have you on, and I know a lot of people love you, so I think we'll be excited to hear what you have to say. Well, thank you. It's, yep. um, appreciate that more than you know, and yep. just think so highly of you, and um, so proud of you. Thank you. Right? Appreciate it. I love you so much. And Aiden, Eric, you guys' friends group, lots of love to you and yeah. your families. And we're lucky to have the community of friends yeah. and family that we do. So. Shout out Bishop Capital Partners. This guy built a pretty cool business. <laughs> that we all admire. So. 
that's not bad. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, Dad. Appreciate you being on. Hope you guys learned some stuff. Cheers. Cheers. Get in the footage. It's it. Yeah. Exactly. Actually, no. Easy E's in the house. Don't forget about him. That's right. It's been an honor, you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. That was good. Bang. That was dude, I don't I can I have no idea how long it is.